Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 56, recorded on Thursday, 16th June 2011. As easy as ABC. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Well, hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus, episode 56. We're back for our usual weekly roundtable discussion of all things Lotus, community events, announcements and all sorts of other things too. I'm joined as usual by Darren Duke of STS. Hi there, Darren. Good morning, Mr. Stuart McIntyre. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you. Had a had a interesting week. We've been over to IBM Dublin Labs on Monday, which was an interesting trip. Always good to see the folks over there, some really talented, um, but sometimes invisible people over there that we don't tend to see in the community, but are really, really good with the developments they're making over there. How's your week been? Um, well, I didn't get to see all the super secret stuff coming in the next version of Connections, <laughs> so mine was nowhere near as exciting as yours. But it just seems to have flowing. I don't know what it is about since UK look, since I got back, the weeks are just flying by at warp factor nine. They are almost into the summer now. It's it's pretty scary how quickly the year's going by. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us as usual, Dan. We're also joined by three members of the um, community, uh, what I term the Lotus community, but it could be the IBM Collaboration Solutions community these days. Um, first of all, we've got Mark Bennett of the Salvation Army. Hi there, Mark. Good evening. Good evening. What time is it with you in New Zealand? It's now Friday morning, five past midnight. Goodness me. Thank you for staying up late to join us. Always good to have folks from the other side of the world on this call. So do you want to tell us what you do for the Salvation Army? Yeah, I'm IT director for the area of New Zealand, Fiji and Tonga. So just responsible for making sure IT is in and operational and we're progressing towards our mission. Excellent. It's good. Good to speak to you. We've had a, a few members of the Salvation Army on now, uh, Tony McPhail and also uh, Peter May. We're trying to get on as well, who's worked for the Salvation Army in the past. So good to have you on this week. Thank you for joining us, Mark. And we're also joined this week from Canada by um, a new member of the Lotus community, somebody we haven't had on the podcast before, Sam Sawatsky. Hi there, Sam. Hello. Hello. Do you want to tell us what you do for your company there? Sure. I work for Mennonite Central Committee Canada, the Canadian half of a international NGO. We do relief and development work in 60 countries, um, some domestic work, but mostly international. Excellent. And how long have you worked there for? I've worked here for about two and a half years. Excellent. And doing some admin, do you do any development work as well? I try not to. <laughs> you and me both. Okay, well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Great to have you on with us this week. It's good to be here. And finally, uh, making up the, the, the great sort of threesome, we've we've had a um, we've had two customers, actually, and um, joining us partners as well, we're joined by Ben Chapman of IBM. Hi there, Ben. Hi, Stuart. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Ben? 
I am very well, and yourself? Excellent. Yes, really good. Thank you. Do you want to tell us what you do for IBM? Sure. I'm the uh, Lotus. I call myself a technical evangelist, but it's the uh, client technical professional role within the uh, southeast of the United States in the IBM slash, sorry, IBM Lotus (laughs) brand or IBM Collaboration Solutions, depending on uh, which script I'm reading today. Yeah, and who you are. Say that after four Guinnesses. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so um so in uh, which states are in that geography that you look after so that would be georgia florida tennessee alabama mississippi excellent so plenty of travel i should think and get to see some interesting customers too some very interesting customers yeah it's been uh, been quite the ride <laughs> and, and lisa lisa always likes to say that as you move west from georgia Every state is a release back on Domino. <laughs> As, that's that's probably pretty true. I hadn't thought. Yeah, about it, that. it really is. When you think about it, that's the, I, I thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? She's not. She's not that far off. Excellent. Well, let, let's kick off this week uh, with some of the news around the community. The big one, really, given we're recording on 16th of June, is the. Um, 100th birthday of IBM, which is being um, recorded in a number of news articles around the world, and also there's some good videos on YouTube too. So this is 100 years since four companies came together to merge and form the Computing Tabulating Recording Corporation. What a great name that is. So Darren, um, how do you feel about this anniversary? Do you think it's worth celebrating? I, I think for a technology company to exist more than 30 years is kind of impressive to have lasted a hundred years, I really do think is 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 a feat of acquisitionness, for want <laughs> of a better word. Um, but it it does. I mean, you know, they've done a lot of stuff, and and you look back, and they've been building up to it. So I, th- I think they've done so much pre-build up of a hundred years. It's like, oh, I'm glad it's here, so tomorrow it'll be quiet again. But back when they were starting to talk about this, about this is a hundredth year of IBM. You go back and you look at the podcasts and the videos they've done on YouTube and you get to see that IBM had their fingers in a lot of mm-hmm. amazing technology feats that, you know, we just take for granted today. But but IBM actually had a, a lot to do with that, you know. Point of sale terminals is, is one of their big, still today, big businesses. So, you know, it's impressive that they'll keep going. I, I'd i like to see if Google ever make it to 100, but I don't think I'll ever see that because... Well, I'm old already. <laughs> no, not at all. And Ben, you you work for the corporation. Do you do you kind of get that feeling of of heritage and you know long reputation that 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 comes from a company that old and and that's been at the forefront for that long? Absolutely. Uh, just seeing some of the things that we're doing around the the local offices uh, with respect to the hundred years and the getting involved in the communities. IBM's always had a lot of community service programs and uh, this hundred year anniversary is, is no different and we're making a real push there. So it's uh, it's great to celebrate a hundred years by uh, giving back to the community that has uh, so greatly been uh, involved with you for the last hundred years. So what what's the plan there? So uh, people from IBM are doing is it a hundred hours of community service? Is that the aim? That's that's the aim. Yes, to get IBM as involved in in community service, whether there's a specific um, hour limit or not. Uh, you know, that's uh, beside the point. We uh, are really advocating everyone to go out and get involved in the communities and do community service work. Isn't community service what you get when you don't go to jail? 
I'm sure it's a more positive thing than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> and Sam, you, you know, you're an IBM customer. You, you deal with IBM in, in lots of different ways, I'm sure, in, in, in your business. Do you, I mean, do you think IBM gains from, in, from its longevity? I mean, I guess it could be seen that it's a, a negative thing. They're not as trendy and as, you know, kind of leading edge as maybe some of the corporations that are just starting. But do you feel that as a customer, you, you kind of gain that reassurance of a company that's been around for that long? I think so. Um, it's always nice to have the option to choose a stable company over a, a startup and and a company that's proven itself in the past. Yeah, I, I would I would completely agree. And and it's interesting watching that video. Um, you know, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. There's a video that goes through the hundred years of IBM with some of the major milestones each year. With with people, I assume that have worked for IBM, um, to providing the narration of that video. You know, so it talks about the you know the moon landings, the um, you know the the punch card machines, the you know tills all those things that ibm have done through the years you know risk process and so on it, it is very interesting how many major advances they've made and, and how what a great story of a corporation it is it's kind of moved through the generations over the time mark have you if you had a chance to see that video yet i haven't but i have been listening to a fascinating podcast about the history of ibm and tell, tell us about the podcast then what have they been covering on there um, it's from the House Stuff Works website, and I'm finished the first of three episodes, and they've been talking about the start, how they came together, but also some of the um, less well-known bits of their history, I guess. Um, some of the dispersions conspiracy theorists might talk about from the company around uh, hey, World War II. You had me but... a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's fascinating, the, just that, legacy what they've come from and what they've done and what they've given up on the way to being who they are and the other thing i i, I think i'm definitely gonna go listen to that podcast it sounds fascinating but um i mean the big thing i kind of was reminded of from from watching the 100 years video is that how close to extinction they came in the early 90s you know those those years of staggering losses and and really not feeling like they had a plan for for what they would do next as the mainframe business died away and how Lou Gerstner came in and and kind of resurrected the company and it's it's it is amazing how they've come back to the forefront I was reading that there's something like the fifth or sixth biggest corporation in America you know it, it after that that kind of low point so it's amazing how they have come back Darren I think from that low point is and, and I think people don't realize how close they were to probably folding you know all told it was it was not that far away from closing the doors and I know there is a lot of people who were let go in in that time frame that don't maybe see it in, in that way but I, I think it, it was rescued and it is a changed corporation between the, the pre Gerstner and the post Gerstner days and, and that's kind of where you, you you think that it's actually it's two different eras it's probably the pre pre-80s and, and the post-80s and i think if you look at it at, at a macro level it is two different companies at the at, at that at the front and the back of that kind of uh, 100 years and and you know that's that's what these public corporations have to do you know they're not they're not owned by it's not no longer four companies it's now hundreds of thousands or millions of individuals and and and, and shareholder companies and mutual funds Interestingly, in the podcast, it talks about how they came together and it was only with 
the guy Watson who came in as CEO relatively early, who bought it together and turned it into the business it was. And again, conspiracy theory, he was actually done for um, anti-competitive laws and uh, was sentenced to prison, but he appealed and from memory the government decided they wouldn't go through another court case. So almost history repeating itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, interesting stuff. It'll be interesting to see where IBM goes in the next, you know, 10, 20 hundred years you know in in terms of it being less of, an, of a hardware company now it's very much more focused around services and software as well and and obviously over the last five years or so we've seen a big move to outside the u.s you know lots of staff now in china and india and and kind of focusing on the growth areas out in those geographies so you know these corporations carry on moving carry on changing it'll be interesting to see what ibm do do uh, next in in that history it would be interesting as well because IBM's one of big IBM's internal metrics is the number of patents, and I would love for someone to come out with a number of patents per year graph to see, you know, when the innovation spurt actually started. Because obviously innovation is getting faster and faster and faster, and the time to innovation is getting quicker and quicker and quicker. Whether the hundred years history is good for IBM or whether the hundred years history is bad for IBM. Well, certainly looking at, you know, I don't have the figures on the patents, but certainly they've been the biggest patent um, maker, if you like, over the last sort of 10 years or so, haven't they? You know, thousands and thousands of patents every year, many more than the other um, tech companies put together. So clearly um, IBM is innovating. It's interesting, actually, uh, you know, I think the first patent they registered came quite late on in the company. It, you know, it seems like maybe it was just the patent industry in America wasn't quite as, as well developed as it is now way back, you know, 80 years or so ago, but it certainly seems like they've ramped up the number of patents they've registered over the years. Yep. So interesting stuff. I'll, we'll link to um, both that How Stuff Works podcast and also the 100 Years video as well. And there's there's some blog posts from people like Ed Brill, uh, Chris Pepin as well about the 100 year anniversary. So we'll make sure we have links to those in the show notes. And if we have time at the end, we'll sing happy birthday, all of us together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. I wonder if we'll have time. So um, something uh, that came in the news this week, um, I spotted it in the announcements back on Tuesday, was uh, the um, reinstatement, really, of the Lotus Foundation's license parts back into Passport Advantage again. Now, for those that aren't aware, Lotus Foundations was the kind of small to medium business focused um, kind of appliance that Lotus released maybe three, four years ago, which then got withdrawn a year or so ago, was taken out of Passport Advantage, and now those parts have been put back in again. Anybody got any feel for, for why this might be? Do you think IBM are bringing back the Foundation's boxes again? I'll go last. So or first. <laughs> <laughs> ben, why don't you take it? I, I, I don't know if you know the inside story on this. I mean, do, do you have customers that that um, have foundations? Did, did you see some demand for it amongst the customers you you look after? Uh, not directly, but I do know of, of customers that are using it and in some very interesting ways. In fact, I think uh, Darren had one of the uh, best use cases for foundations when he implemented... Uh, that as a remote mail server for a small office and tie that in together with a larger domino box at the main office. I think that was a great use case. So um, if the rumors are true that it is actually staging a comeback, fantastic, because I always love to have stuff that we can sell to the small and uh, medium-sized businesses that really don't want a complicated box that they've got to figure out. 
I would completely agree. I mean, you know, whilst we didn't sell any foundations boxes here in the UK, I know quite a few were sold. And, and that branch office configuration, I think, was a, a very popular one where you do have those distributed sites around, you know, the country or the globe that you just need a very easy to manage box that, you know, that can back itself up and, and you know, it was, it was easy to manage. And um, Mark, I, I know the Salvation Army have, have got boxes like that spread around the world in Africa and so on. Not necessarily Lotus Foundations, but I, I know you certainly see the benefits of having Domino in those kind of remote sites as well. Yeah, definitely. We um, looked at foundations, but by the time it had come out, we already had our own, for New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga, we'd done our own Linux server build and didn't really want to add Domino to it because it was another kind of server out there. But if it had been available to me two or three years earlier, we probably would have gone foundations right away as opposed to our custom Linux build. So, Darren, do you want to? What, 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 do, what do you think the theory behind putting these parts back in again is? You, I mean, you know, both you and I, I think, have asked IBM about this this week and, and tried to find out what the story is. But, you know, from, from your kind of position as a partner, do you have any feel for why they might be bringing it back? I, I don't have any official feel. My, my conspiracy theorist feel says that most products in, the, in Passport Advantage are supported for five years or more at IBM's discretion. And they nuked the renewal SKUs way before five years, and I think somebody cried foul. Interesting. So, you know, it's existing customers that need support for those products they bought you know, less than five years ago, and therefore they need a way of renewing them as part of their passport advantage renewal. Especially the antivirus and anti-spam components. Uh, you know, they're, they're either one, two, or three-year purchases. So if you bought a foundation server two or three years ago, and that is starting to come up as expiring. You need a way to update them licenses. And also, you know, I think when the foundations first shipped, it was 802, I think was the lowest notes client. And now it's up to like 851 or 852. So I think if you want to keep up on the latest client builds, which is IBM's suggestion, then that, that's also maybe one of the reasons why it suddenly reappeared uh, as, as it is. I was never expecting to see it like this again. So it was... Like you said, it was a bit of a shocker. But Branch branch Office had, it, it could have been an amazing product. Um, but unfortunately, Branch came after Foundations. And I think from a foundation standpoint, I, IBM just were not expecting the support calls that you would get from a 20-person doctor office. And my guess is that's what put the nail in the coffin. Oh, interesting point of view. So because they didn't have that IT infrastructure there, they, they were getting more support calls, different kinds of support calls through than perhaps they would have done with the rest of the Lotus portfolio. Well, I think that's what it is. And you can always brand something as, as it never breaks, but we all know <laughs> everything breaks. And the, and the fewer number of users you have, the exponentially breakage that it has goes up. So I think the smaller the customer, the more support calls. And this is just my conjecture. This is I've got no fact on this. This is just me making stories up, which is what I do. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> what we call a blogger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, that would kind of make sense why they embraced it and then it disappeared and now it's come back. And, and there's also, you know, there may be a bit of political stuff going on that Microsoft just re-released SBS 2011 because they killed SBS themselves. And now they've brought that back. So, you know, the timing looks a bit strange. My guess is a couple of renewals are coming up and it just magically reappears. Poof, there you go. It's back. Nothing happened. Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> 
Well, we'll keep an eye out for that for news from the foundations team whether there's any uh, public statement on that, and, and make sure we cover that on next week's podcast if there is. Be and I do have a find. question. Go on, him. Is there a foundations team? Well, there's another question. I've I've certainly asked the question. Caleb Barlow used to uh, look after that team. He's now moved on to same time. So um, I'm trying to find out who has taken over that role, if anybody, uh, to try and understand what's happening next with foundations. I know there are a kind of replacement um there's a an appliance that ibm has has released uh, called smarter something or other i can't remember exactly what which is going to have various different um sort of applications as part of that uh, not exactly foundations but certainly it's it's that kind of easy to manage easy to install smb focused um you know platform that people can install their own software onto so it'll be interesting to see where that goes and when that becomes sort of widely available and and, and used for domino installs smart cube right is that it there is a smart cube. There's also something else as well. So I'll try and dig it out before the end of the podcast. And we'll mention it if we get to that and have a link in the show notes too. Now, um, you know, we mentioned Foundations. Foundations was a, an appliance that had Domino on it. Um, something that I've become aware of through some of the presentations I've sat through recently is, is that IBM you know, has kind of moved from Lotus Nose as a campaign now to talking about social business a lot. You know, Darren and I um, were at the UK Lug uh, keynote that where Ted, Ted Stanton um, presented. And very much it's around this, you know, get social, do business message, social business being the way ahead. And something that's quite interesting is whether Domino is considered part of that social business agenda, whether people that have Domino um, in their environment will uh, you know consider making it more social doing more social business on it and then moving through to the rest of social business kind of portfolio sam do you want to um give us a feel for from your organization's point of view do you see uh, a big demand to be more social as an organization are you is it something that you're looking at in your business or or maybe you know other people that you speak to do you, do you feel that there's a, a demand for social business within these types of organizations I think there absolutely is a demand for social business. Um, we're looking very hard at how to become more a social business, but at the same time, we're looking at our costs and realizing that we don't have the resources to be a development company. So the adding social capabilities to our current Domino applications is not something that we really want to want to do um but being part of the community and seeing what's what's out there um i think i think bruce elgort has a paper uh, the social social aspects of domino or something like that and it's extremely interesting and for a lot of companies i think it would make a lot of sense yeah, Al Guji's white paper is called The Social Software Platform You Already Own, which goes through some of the social um, applications like IdeaJam that are available uh, for Domino. So, Darren, I mean, how, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you feel that Domino is, is, is kind of being presented as part of the social business uh, agenda and the social business platform, or, or do you feel it's kind of separate from social business as IBM's presenting it today with connections and those kind of applications? It's It's separate. Um, the social business agenda, whatever, is is all about selling net new software, and there's not a lot of net new software being shifted in Domino because everybody's already got it, a la the white paper, the platform you already own, and if you already own it, why would you buy something else? So the way you do that is 
sales and marketing 101, you kind of ignore what you've been selling for the past 10 years and you sell something new. And it, this is, it's it's not bad. It's not strange. It's, that's just the way business goes. We, we get new car models every five to seven years. We get new ways of writing software every five to seven years. These big companies come up with new campaigns every couple of weeks. <laughs> this just happens to be the latest one. And is Domino a, a, an integrated part of that? I, I don't think it is. It's it, it's difficult to see where IBM thinks Domino fits into the social business agenda or whatever it happens to be called this week. Well, far be it for me to uh, dissent there. I, I will offer some. Um, we saw at Lotusphere the... Um, for those of you who were able to attend some of the demos, and we saw that... Uh, Notes Domino was the launchpad for for collaboration, and they they all pointed to the uh, email inbox view and said, "We all agree that uh, we're stuck here, but how do we get outside and be social outside of that?" So yes, we surface things like connections within the Notes Domino um, environment. So while maybe Domino isn't being pushed as the central picture i think because it has got that view of being old and not new and exciting it's still there and it is still the uh forefront of the the social backbone and then we're extending connections and quicker and everything else on top of that and i i certainly see it there i mean you know as you've mentioned ben that you know that they're bringing aspects into the notes client all the time there's also the social business toolkit that was announced that has some um you know integration with x pages and with some of the the application development opportunities on domino i just i just wonder whether that's made clear enough to customers um you know in terms of saying not not you know here's your domino estate here separately is social business and maybe that's got something to do with what Darren said about selling new licenses but you know but saying actually you know social business is kind of a, a new way of doing business everything you own that IBM has sold you whether it's servers services you know Lotus software DB2 even can be part of that social business message you know you can bring Domino applications you can bring DB2 applications into social business rather than kind of making it seem like you have to go out and buy something completely new I'm pretty sure I just heard I, I, Stuart I say. I'm pretty sure I just heard Stuart say IBM need to bolt the word "social" in front of even more things. <laughs> I don't recall saying exactly that, Darren. <laughs> well, when we think social, we kind of associate it with Facebook or Twitter, and so the natural connection for that is connections. And we don't tend to think of Domino in that space, which I was saying. You know, that's ironic when it was kind of the first social platform. I mean, we don't have a large footprint of Lotus in New Zealand, so it's often just seen as email, whereas that's stunning to me because the more I get to know about Domino, the more I see it as this incredibly social and this whole private cloud you can have going, which will interface almost anywhere. It's true, and going back to what Darren was saying a little bit, I I wish that IBM would put more into Domino instead of going after new new products to sell to customers could they not improve Domino to the point where non-customers would be jumping on board as as new customers new customers not new products 
Well, I mean, Ooh, yeah. there's a thought. <laughs> you know, and, and and as as you know, the person on the call who kind of has built their business around social and and you know and and connections to yeah to one extent. I should be the person who's saying go connections for you know for any social opportunity you know connections is what you need but I absolutely feel that domino is a really key part you know as, as you just said it's 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 what we've done collaboration on for the last you know 20 years and it's what was was starting to be social in terms of the way we could bring people outside of organization into the projects we were working on we could you know do team collaboration in there and it's perfectly situated to be social again in terms of some of the applications you can build on it using some of x pages and, and some of the other technologies we have and so it seems strange to me that when we talk about exceptional web experience or social business that we are talking almost exclusively about products built on websphere rather than about you know the entire portfolio that ibm has in its collaboration solutions business that could could be social and could make businesses more social in the way they work yeah but it's fair to say that domino apps out of the box don't look like even 1996 websites quite often Well, I mean, you, you must know, Mark, in terms of some of the apps you've built recently. You know, we've heard on Ed Bill's blog and so on about the app you wrote for the Christchurch earthquake. You know, so, so you, it must be uh, a point of view where we've talked about RAD a lot. So, you know, one of the real advantages of Domino is you can get these applications up and running quite quickly. But you're also saying that there's quite a lot of work involved in actually making them look appealing and look, you know, social or, or you know, uh, web 2.0 or whatever you want to call that kind of look and feel so do you want to talk through some of the the applications you built and, and maybe talk about the, the Christchurch earthquake situation I mean what was the application you built there yeah we um obviously there was the big earthquake in Christchurch and we needed or well, we had hundreds of people we needed on the ground in Christchurch helping we were obviously distributing food and doing like psychosocial care so we needed a way, and these people were coming from all around the country. There were some who came from London, actually, from our international headquarters, and Australians as well. So we needed a way to be able to kind of know who was coming, when they were arriving, where they were staying, and when they had to leave. And then we needed to put them in teams. So we needed an app which we could do that with, and straight away after the earthquake, we didn't have reliable connections to anything we didn't have reliable power in most of our centers much less um internet connections consistently so we chose domino funnily enough because we owned it but also because it meant we could run offline immediately and then replicate changes back so whoever was going to run this application if they were in christchurch they could run it whether they had the connection or not um the rad conversation you had you know a couple of months ago now was kind of itching, I was yelling at my car as I was driving along because of the whole, the, be- the thing about Domino which makes it so quick to me is that I don't have to think about deployment because there's already a client sitting on my cut on my um, team's workstations, every member of our organisation has it and I don't have to think about how I'm going to do security because that's built right in. So it really suited us perfectly. The challenge was we wanted to do it so fast that we didn't commit to doing it in X pages because um, my developer was still um, coming up to speed with X pages, so made the call themselves that we'd do it a lot faster than traditional Domino. So it's a little Domino-looking, as a polite way to put it. <laughs> and I shout at the car a lot when I hear Twill as well. 
Uh, <laughs> not alone. Um, but but you're exactly right. I, I think the, the the speed of deployment for a Lotus Notes application can literally be less than an hour. Unfortunately, well, it's a link. you can send it in the same time. Yeah, and we don't have to worry about security because we can say only you can change anything. And we had different levels of security um, as to who could do what and some, you know, kind of private undocumented features, which we were specifically asked for. So we didn't have to think about it because the platform was there and the client was just waiting for the link to arrive. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly right. And but, but my point was, I think from the time you decide to make the application to the time it is usable, it could be less than 50 minutes, 60 minutes. And deployment is a negligible part of that. It is seconds for, from, from yeah. that. And, Agreed. And, and I think I think that gets lost. And, and the power of that, like you said in your blog post, Mark, I think is also the Achilles heel. That, oh, my God, it looks like a domino app. Well, nothing on this planet could have done that in 60 minutes or less. Agree. And the other part of being so fast, again, which is the, the double-edged sword, is that you can get something to them within a couple of hours like we did, um, but you can change it just as quickly. So mm. what starts off as something quite simple turns into a very complicated application that they're wanting more and more from, and now it's almost we almost need a relational database to do what or database, sorry, to do what um, they need done. It's fascinating. Well, that's software, right? You give them one thing, they say, we didn't mean that. We actually meant yeah. this. <laughs> and if you're doing yeah, a just... relational database, you would have realized what the next asked for was something that should have been in notes. So that, that, that's, <laughs> that's a software development. I don't think we can fix that. But I think you no, also... it's the it... evolution of products in an enterprise anyway. It starts off to do one task, and then it just evolves into something else. But you hit the, 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 you hit the nail on the head here about a Domino application, even if it's a classic Notes app or a Domino web app or an XPages app, that is very quick to deploy and develop. But the moment you need to make use of that information somewhere else, like <clears throat> cough, cough, hint, hint, a relational database, it comes to a screeching halt because that's a whole new layer of complexity and a whole new layer of servers to, to get that done. Now, hopefully, X pages wise, that's going to be rectified pretty soon with the, the, the relational database toolkit that, that we keep hearing about. Um, other than that, you know, that's probably the thing I would look to, but in, in, hopefully, in the next quarter, X page wise, we will have access to relational databases, fingers crossed. So this app you wrote, um, Mark, is it something that you think is going to stay um, in use in Salvation Army for you know for a while to come? Um, well, we were winding down our on-the-ground support in Christchurch in terms of that level of volunteers going, but there was another pretty big shake on uh, Tuesday or Monday, I should know, and uh, so a few more buildings came down, but we haven't run out with lots of volunteers again. And part of that is because we've established um, an emergency team which is staying for the rebuild and the government's done parts like that as well. So we've now got we, the royal we of New Zealanders, have um, got in place systems to deal with it now. And we're beyond that first few days of the emergency of making sure everyone's okay, rescuing, getting food. All the processes and systems are now in place for 
the people who have lost jobs and bits like that. Okay, well, I, I hope for everybody in New Zealand that you know it gets better soon and we don't get any more tremors. It certainly sounds like it's been a a very difficult period to go through for everybody in that area. So, uh, so I hope it, it continues to to improve. And Salvation Army continues to do their great work there too. Now, you know, we mentioned Domino applications. Um, you know, many of us are running the latest versions of of, of Notes and Domino to develop those apps. Darren, you blogged earlier on this week about the latest code drop um, of the eight five three beta or beta. Um, do you want to talk through some of the stuff that you um, wrote in your blog post? You know, regarding the new features in eight five three. Uh, I'll need to go open it. <laughs> there was so many. Um, no, there's there's lots of good stuff in there. Um, some of the things that that I'm kind of excited about, uh, you know, the ability to move server-based full text indexes to a completely different drive slash folder slash directory, and get them out of out, outside of the Domino data directory, which stops a whole lot of issues. Uh, around ability to full text index yeah. and search i notes etc 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 um and then another one that we've, we we i see a lot is people always want um machine specific policies and i get asked this all the time at the lotus fear show and tell uh, and that's coming in 853 i mean there's there's a list of i think my blog is listed in the show notes i think it is and uh there's probably a good 20 or 30 you know different things in there traveler is getting updated um, but it seems, you know, some of the updates have already been superseded in 8.5.2. We get partial wipe on the iPhone already today in 8.5.2 if you uh, follow Ed's blog. Um, and, and other than that, there's just a lot of, it seems to be a lot of usability um, improvements. And, and XPage is, is, is taking a big leap forward. Anyone that's ran an XPage app will kind of figure out pretty quickly the first time you ever open it, it can take ages to open because, well, it is by uh, runtime compilation. Uh, so the X pages, it'll compile it, and then eventually it'll throw it in the garbage collector if no one's used the app in a certain amount of time. Um, and, and so now we're able to preload and, and keep them applications in memory all the time while the server is alive, which takes a lot of the issues about double-click and waiting for minutes for the, the, the application to compile, all of that will be fixed in, in 8.5.3. So there's some really, really good stuff. I completely agree. I mean, the, the, one of the big ones for me is that Symphony's been upgraded to version 3. Um, a lot of users were asking for that. You know, the, the standalone users were already using Symphony 3 have been for pretty much a year I guess and, and finally we've now got that in the notes client um, and, and the full text index thing for me is a massive thing um, you know we've had so many servers at customer sites where they've run out of disk space because a full text index suddenly fills up takes up a lot of space and, and you know and, and the domino server stops whereas now we can just push that off to a separate file system and, and that's going to make a big difference n not least to disk performance particularly you know we've seen the improvements with Deos now we see the improvements by moving the full text index off to another RAID controller it's going to make a big difference Another thing in there, uh, along with the Symphony integrated up update to 3.0, is the same time bundle has been updated to 8.5.1, uh, same time unified to left in the users rejoice. That means you will uh, be able to surface all that from within your notes client. Excellent. That's, that's good news. So uh, I guess that's moved up from 8.5.0 in the previous version? I actually believe it was uh, 8.02. Oh, yeah. Wrong it, it, there. yeah, it was a real old one. It was 8.5. It was 8.02, yeah. So it's, it, that's a big jump. And then the other thing that uh, particularly tickles my fancy is a, a, a thing called purge 
interval replication control. I think that's what it's called. Um, and, and that we've all had it. Any domino administrator in their, in their lives has suddenly got up in the morning and you've got 50,000 users back in your domino directory that you deleted 17 years ago. We've all had it. Server documents reappear, connection documents reappear, everything reappears. Um, well, P-R-I-C, I think is the acronym, uh, is, is, is promised to take care of that. We're now able to curtail um, th- th- what, what, what comes back into replicas should an old replica be resurrected off someone's old laptop or an old server. So that's, that's a big step in the right direction. And the day before I was allowed to blog about this, I was actually asked by a customer, oh my God, is there no way we can stop this? Because we've just, we've just got duplicate server documents and connection documents. We had a customer recently where um, you know, they've got other stuff hanging off the Domino directory. So they're using connections, which is hitting the Domino directory via LDAP. And so when connections saw a whole load of users come back into the directory, it then imported <laughs> them into connections as well. So we then had to clean those out. So undoubtedly that PRIC, PRC, whatever we want to call it, is going to be a massive feature for a lot of Domino admins. The other thing that's in there is um, a lot of additional support for Traveller, as we've already mentioned. Uh, some of that has been announced in 8.5.2.3 for Traveller. Some of it's coming in 8.5.3. Um, Symbian uh, 3 support, which is quite a big thing for Nokia users like uh, our good friend Matt Newman. Um, and also so a lot of Android improvements as well. So, uh, so I think that's going to be a big thing for a lot of users. Some of the Android stuff is nice. Like now we've got widgets where you can put it on your home screen so you can see your email and your calendar right from a home screen widget without having to go into the email. That's that's kind of nice. Excellent. Sounds good. Um, also, uh, that's been kind of in beta and we've been discussing in, around the community in the last couple of weeks, uh, some of the announcements that were made at the Apple event at the Worldwide Developers Conference. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? It seems to have gone by very, very quickly, which is um, announcements of, uh, or previews anyway, of Lion, which is the next version of the OS uh, 10 platform, uh, and iOS 5 as well for iPhones and iPads and iPod Touches. So, um, Ben, I know you're a bit of an Apple fan. Uh, have you had a chance to try any of these new releases? Uh, OS, sorry, iOS 5, yes. Um, haven't uh, got a developer license for the Mac, so uh, Lion is still out of my grasp. But uh, OS 5, I'm loving it. It's really breathed new life into my uh, iPhone 3GS. Uh, very few apps don't work. Uh, Traveler seems to work in most cases i have found that uh, there's some quirks with accepting uh, calendar invites uh which is kind of a big one because i do get quite a few of those yeah, um and i i've been working with apple support on one um because i am a mobile me subscriber but long before i was a mobile me subscriber i bought um, itunes online so i've got uh, multiple apple ids uh and there's some wonderful blog posts out about that and whether you can actually merge them no you can't uh, no justifiable <laughs> explanation why um but there was a wonderful blog post from a uh, a guy, and I will uh, put it in the show notes. And I uh, tweeted it yesterday because it was the answer to all my questions. Was I can use my mobile me as my main iCloud ID, and then use a second Apple ID for my purchased music. Hurrah! Excellent. I hadn't seen that conversation going on. I think that would be a big thing for a lot of users. Although, as you say, Apple should just sort it out and make you be able to merge them. That would be better for everybody, I think. Apple's copy at IBM. Multiple IDs for multiple different systems. Yeah. 
you can at least change your email address anyway on a uh, on an Apple ID. That's a step forward. So um, I, I've been playing with both releases, both iOS 5 and Lion. Uh, I just wanted to say on the podcast, if you're a Notes user, don't upgrade to Lion just yet. Now, obviously, it's in beta. This isn't IBM's fault. It's not really Apple's fault. It's just one of these things when you get new versions of software. And Notes uh, 8.5. 5.2 and 8.5.3 beta don't work at the moment online uh, developer release 4 which is the current one so hold off if you're if you're a notes user wait until line goes into um, gold version or at least until we know this is fixed I think it's got to be good advice for everybody and I'm hearing conflicting information I'm hearing people who have it work flawlessly and then I'm hearing you <laughs> well, maybe I'm maybe I'm the only one. It certainly worked okay first time round, and then it stopped working after a couple of days and won't reinstall. So it may just be me. It may uh, just be my machine. But for those that um, that are wary that need notes, then uh, just just hold off and wait until uh, we've had that confirmed one way or another. And there has has there been any official? I, I guess IBM won't comment until Lion is gold code, right? Exactly. So, yeah, Ed has commented on it saying basically wait until it goes gold, then IBM will look at whether they can support it or not. So I think it's due to go gold um, sometime in Q3. Uh, so I guess we're looking at notes support probably Q4 kind of time. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how that works out. And then does anyone know how much an Apple developer license costs? It's $99, I believe. Oh, that's cheaper than I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> For either um, iOS or um, Mac. So you have to cho- choose which one or both you want and then pay accordingly. It's £59 in the UK. Mm, okay. So amazingly reasonable, really. Um, so, guys, you know, going around the table, uh, Mark, are you a, a, an Apple or iPhone user? Uh, yeah, I've got a number of Macs. I had an iPhone, but I don't like them as much as Android and the phone since, but I'm a bit frustrated with android and the whole fragmentation of the os but i oh, yeah, mac i'd choose any day i've just reluctantly gone to a windows machine um for the lotus quicker connector ah well this is something we mentioned on the podcast last week asking when we're going to get the mac connectors hopefully that will be not too long now we've got the 64-bit windows ones at least and do we do we have an eta or not I'm certainly not aware of one. I don't know whether Ben has any more information on that. I have been pestering for them for the longest time, so no ETAs, and I keep being assured that we're working on it. So watch this space. Excellent. And Sam, how about you? What platform do you run on, and and do you have an Apple um, mobile device? I don't. I have a BlackBerry, and I run Debian, so... Wow! Oh, look at that. That's, there you go. There's, there's a true window Microsoft free dude right there. <laughs> how, how do you feel about connectors? There is, is quicker something you run in your organisation? No, it's not. Okay, so you're not worried about Linux connectors or anything like that. It's not a major deal for you. No, and I have my Windows VM for anything I need. Okay, excellent. Administrator, you know. <laughs> That's the key thing we all need. So, okay, good stuff. And um, last on our list of, of news this week really is is an event that um, I'm helping to organise, which is Social Connections, which is a the first real sort of uh, face-to-face IBM Connections user group that's um, scheduled for a meeting in London on the 4th of July. Uh, registration is now open. That's the news this week. So if you're interested, go to socialconnections.info. Um 
it'll be good to see whether we get a good crowd to that certainly registrations are, are piling up now and, and maybe whether we can run that for uh, other geographies as well you know maybe in the US or maybe uh, even over in New Zealand wouldn't that be good I certainly love a trip over there so um, so yeah have a look at socialconnections.info uh, and, and pick up all the details there 4th of July is the meeting and where's the location? It's being held at the Salvation Army's headquarters. So Mark will know it well. Um, just off Millennium Bridge in London, um, it's that they're very graciously giving up some of their space there, uh, and it'll be a really good place to to hold the meeting. And of course, uh, Salvation Army are Connections customers. They use Connections in house. So, what better place to hold a Connections user group? Uh, and is this a, like an all-day look kind of affair? Two-day to be determined, depending on how many speakers. You know, just the right questions to ask, Dan. Um, it's a one. That's because you told me what to ask. Earlier. <laughs> it's a one day event. <laughs> it's it's just just the one day. It's a full day. We're going to be going from nine in the morning till sort of five o'clock at night, and then adjourning to a local establishment to uh, continue the discussions after that too. Um, so this is the first that's, one. That's a social piece, right? The pub. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that that's our first one we'd love to make it a bigger event make it more worthwhile for people to travel from from other areas but for the first one a whole day uh, we've already got a lot of sessions lined up uh, the agenda will be going live probably uh, early next week do you have any speakers confirmed for that not that i would make it to london but oh i'm sure we can give you an excuse to come over here sam um <laughs> we do we have a a few speakers lined up already we have um john mel of ibm delivering the keynote uh john mel is very well known in the connection space and, and is also head of sales for northern europe i think for connections um and we also have uh, sharon bellamy a good friend of this podcast will be presenting uh, we have customers from places like cardiff university and city university presenting there um and a number of other abstracts which we're sorting through at the moment to line up also following on from my um trip over to dublin this week we have a number of the developers from the Dublin Labs coming over as well and hopefully speaking at the event. So it promises to be an excellent um, schedule. So thank you, Darren, for asking those questions. Um, so that's our news for this week. We've run to pretty much the end of our hour. I uh, hope that's been interesting to you. Um, as always, we go around the table and ask each of our um, panellists for a tip. So Darren, do you want to kick us off? What's your tip? So a couple of days ago, I was tweeting about a product called Spiceworks that if people haven't heard of, it's a, a, a free help desk slash network monitoring slash PC, PCE server network inventory and reporting solution all in one. Uh, it's an executable. You download it, you run it on a Windows server, and boom, literally within two minutes, you have all of the toys that you need to manage you know, basic IT infrastructure will tell you when your servers are down, all of that good stuff. And it is it is a help desk, so they can put users can put trouble tickets in, and it it you know it's it's pretty slick. I, I've had a couple of clients use it, so I decided to look at it myself. And we're probably switching to it to do our PC and server and network switch inventory inside of STS as well. So it was that good that we're starting to use it, and it is completely free. So I've seen, is it Nagios in the past used a number of our customers, which I think is also free, isn't it? So how does Spiceworks compare to Nagios? Has it got some additional features as well? Yeah, so I, I prefer Nagios for my network monitoring, um, mainly because I can put up on a big screen and see red, green, and yellow bars. So I know, oh my God, where do I have to go drive to? So I actually prefer Nagios for the monitoring. What Spiceworks get me, if I ignore the monitoring, is really an out-of-the-box very very impressive help desk app 
but the most impressive thing for me was was the PC and server and switch inventory where it'll go and scan your entire network uh, and, and come back and tell you what's connected, what software's on there. Um, you can pay a lot of money for software, but it'll do that for you. And I, I wasn't expecting Spiceworks to come back and, and tell me 2% of what it came back. And, and not only that, but if, if getting super-duper icons floats your boat, it'll actually go out of the internet and download the correct icons for all of the stuff it finds. So it's actually quite it's quite impressive. Yeah. And looking at, you know, they've got a page on it's free, really? Uh, and yeah, talk, yeah. And talking about how they use this tool as kind of a way into companies to help, you know, to, to consult and do services. So it really is a free model. There's no advertising, nothing in there. So very impressive. Thank you for that tip, Dan. It's a great one. And Mark, what's your tip? Well, I um, with all the social stuff that's going on and the fact we all seem to complain about email, I haven't found a way to free myself from email. Um, my organization lives and breathes it. So I found that uh, some sidebar widgets transformed me from hating notes client because it's my inbox to being quite happy in there. Um, they really help you get on and do things and simple things as well, like the quicker connector. I can get files in and out of emails quick as anything. The connections um, plugin is pretty good and any Google gadget or anything you want, plug it in and away it goes. And it's quite, it transforms people's view of the client as well from being something they have to endure to do their work to they quite like it. There's some, some really good widgets that I'd you know, say go and try them. Excellent. And I think many people who have used those kind of widgets and sidebar apps have really got benefit from that. I think it's a, a great way that Notes is extensible and really can be customised to, to work in the way you need it to. And of course, Wildfire is something we've discussed a lot on this podcast. File Explorer is, is a really big one, isn't it? For people that, that haven't used File Explorer, it enables you to see basically files on your um, on your machine so you can just drag and drop them into emails and various other things so well worth um, adding those we'll try and add links to some of those apps into the show notes as well so thank you for that Mark and, and also right. you know Mark talks about in, in, integrating Lotus apps into the sidebar and I think that gets overlooked with with a couple of minutes in designer you create a, a skinny quote-unquote view and before you know it, you've got the most of the embedded functionality of a CRM right in your sidebar, so you don't have to go clicking around. I think that's that that's something that gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. You do need a developer to help with that, was my experience, or a better developer than just a fiddler. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think a user. It, it, this is not power user, but this is you know, if you've got yeah. Lowest Notes apps, talk to your developer. It'll take him five minutes, if that, to develop yeah. a view that would would look good in there. But once you do. You know, and then you can do some cool stuff with live text as well. Excellent. Thank you, Mark and Darren as well. And Sam, what's your tip? Well, we upgraded our workstations to Windows 7 a couple of months ago. And on most of the machines, the shell option to send um, files or whatever to a mail recipient didn't work with Lotus Notes. This week I found someone in the forums who had the same problem and opened a PMR because I don't have time to do that. And there's a uh, DLL file in the Windows directory that's missing. So if you throw that DLL file in there, you get that functionality back. Um, I guess we'll put the link in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you very much. I'm sure that will make a big difference to a lot of Windows 7 users. So thank you for that, Sam. And Ben, what's your tip? 
I wildfire for your iShiny device. It is by our good friends at ISW, and it allows you to surface connections on your iPod, iPhone, iPad, iToaster <laughs> to come. Um, so there are built-in configurations for developer works and greenhouse accounts, and you can add other connections deployments, uh, like the one inside IBM, if you happen to be an IBMer. It is ad-driven at the moment, but there is a pro version in the works. I highly recommend if you have some connections accounts you want to surface on uh, your iPhone, you give this a look. Excellent. And I, I would certainly uh, agree with that, not not just because we've had Adam and uh, and also Matt on the podcast discussing this, but it really is a great app. It's a, a big step forward if you use your iDevice a lot. Um, it just brings the whole of the connections infrastructure to you, so you don't need to go and look for it anymore. It's just there on your device. And I love the way it, it connects to so many different connections environments. If you have access to Greenhouse, Developer Works, and your own, it'll do all of those and color code the status updates and, and change from those sites so they just come to you great stuff thank you ben and my tip is uh not least just don't upgrade to lion just yet but uh the big tip really is linkedin is um is a site many of us will be registered on but it's amazing how little it gets used by a lot of people you know you may uh, update your profile once every six months or something you may join a couple of groups but that i i find the recommendations a tremendous part of that site um you know you can uh, leave a recommendation for somebody you work with currently have worked with or friends with whatever um you know a, a little bit like a, a reference for a, a cv a resume uh, and it goes on their record it becomes part of their linkedin profile and it really does help in terms of them you know trying to get uh, a raise or a move to another company or you know a new job or whatever in terms of just that kind of peer-to-peer review of what they do um the other thing is that sometimes you see people wanting to move on to a new job and, and they'll ask for recommendations at the time they wanted to move and suddenly they'll get 10 recommendations which tends to make it pretty obvious they're looking to to change something about their job so if you're in that situation don't do it last minute instead ask your friends for recommendations ask for those and if you're somebody who um you know likes receiving them also leave them for others I've been trying for a while to write two or three recommendations a week just to others, just kind of passing it on to other people, um, you know, the kind of gift of, of my recommendation to them. And, and, and so that's a good way of being social. If, if you're interested in LinkedIn, try to do that and it'll really help both your profile and other people's too. So if you're an IT manager and you get a, rec- a request for recommendation from one of your employees, chances are it's <laughs> quitting soon. <laughs> Yeah, so don't be don't be too obvious like that. Definitely do it over <laughs> a longer period of time. Stuart's just outed four hundred thousand people <laughs> all currently looking for a job and not wanting to tell their manager. <laughs> Oh dear, what have I done? Right, well guys, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. The time seemed to go by ever so quickly this week, but interesting discussion. So let's go uh, around once more time and just find out how do people track you down on Twitter or your blog or wherever. So Darren, kick us off. Blog.darrenduke.net for the 853 feature lists and twitter all one word darren duke for my 140 character rants and i don't think i've targeted anyone this week i'm, I'm getting happier you are i'm wondering whether somebody's replaced you <laughs> <laughs> somebody's kidnapped darren replaced him with a nice version no there's been a really interesting blog post this week so thank you for those darren thanks for joining us again this week and mark how do people find you I am Mark D. Bennett on Twitter. Um, Bennett is B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And 
blog is mdbennett.net, which is where I get on my high horse or soapbox or something like that. If there's something which is particularly bothering me, sometimes technical, a lot of random stuff and a few bits and pieces about my life and family. Excellent. Good stuff. And thanks for staying up late to join us this week, Mark. Great to have you on the show. Good to be here. Thanks. And Sam, how do people find you? On Twitter, I am SJ Sawatsky, S-J-S-A-W-A-T-Z-K-Y. And I haven't updated my blog in a year or several, so I'm not even going to tell you. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you on, and uh, maybe this will be the impetus to go away and update that blog again. Perhaps. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sam. Ben, how do people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash Find Benjamin. You can find me on Twitter at Find Benjamin. Or uh, you can visit my new about.me page at about.me slash Find Benjamin. Somebody else other than Stuart has an about.me page. <laughs> Indeed. I bet Ben's is more interesting than mine is. I have to have a look. <laughs> And I am Stuart McIntyre. Find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre or at the company page at collaborationmatters.com. Thank you again for listening. Uh, It's great to do the show again for you this week. Uh, We'll be back again next Thursday, uh, publishing on Friday. So until then, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. Pretty much anywhere you can think of. Sorry, I'll bring you back in the second now. I've got to wait for that to finish. Hi, guys. I have no idea what happened there. Blame Microsoft. Yes. We're doing a lot of that at the moment. <laughs> I, I blame Microsoft all the time. You, you, you were cra- it was crashing your Skype long before Microsoft bought it. Yeah, very true. Very true. Just you missed the opportunity. Man. 100 years, have the problems. <laughs> IBM stands for I blame Microsoft. I can't believe I actually did write prick in the board. <laughs> 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 <laughs>